0: Al Jazeera
1: podcast.
0: Starting from October the 1st, Ukraine's defense ministry has ordered women with medical backgrounds to register for military service. Women have been serving in the military since the beginning of the Russian invasion in February 2022. But the number of female volunteers has been comparatively small. 20 months into the war, Ukraine's initial pool of volunteers has been through the war machine, and conscription has become the norm. But even that still isn't enough. So now Ukraine is bringing more women, like Vitalina, into the fight. A young doctor cares for a baby, just a few days old. But soon, Vitalina may hold the life of a soldier in her hands. She plans on volunteering to be a frontline medic in Ukraine's war with Russia. Vitalina wasn't always sure she would sign up to fight, but things changed for her after the death of a close friend. Now, with this new law, she's decided. All that remains is to tell her parents.
1: I understand understand that the risks are quite high, but we live in Ukraine, and there is even a risk of dying here. No one ever knows their fate. I'm ready to take these risks now.
0: For now, the mandatory registration for women applies only to the medical profession. And while there are no plans to go beyond that, it is something that could change the longer the war drags on. So, what does this law say about Ukraine's position in the war? And is it a sign of the changing role of women in Ukrainian society? I'm Kevin Hurton, in from Alika Bilal, and this is The Take.
1: My life goes along with the state of news. The amount of news we live through every day, equal to probably someone's one month's life or even longer.
0: Katerina Malafieva is a Ukrainian freelance journalist who works with Al Jazeera and many others.
1: November will mark 24 months of non-stop work of being somewhere on the front line, traveling across Ukraine. We don't stop. Apart from just covering the news, um, our lives are deeply affected by the overall situation, by the missile attacks, and uh, every now and then um, in Kiev, I can hear the explosions. And uh, there are times when you don't sleep properly.
0: We caught up with her in her home in Kyiv, where she's taking a few days rest from all that work.
1: At best, I stayed in this apartment uh, maximum three months in the past uh, two years. Wow. So, it's been quite intensive work.
0: So, the issue at hand right now, this new law has just gone into effect on October 1st, which states that all Ukrainian women between the ages of 18 and 60, who are doctors, dentists, midwives, nurses, and pharmacists, must register for conscription. What is the thinking behind this law?
1: So, as of 1st October 2023, all women with medical pharmaceutical specialties should register at the local conscription points. I should mention that this is not the novelty, and this norm has been in effect since 1992. The majority of female doctors and female pharmacists are already at the military registration But the Ministry of Health noted that for more than 30 years, the military registration of female doctors and female pharmacists has not worked properly. I just also want to emphasize that military registration is not the same as mobilization. That doesn't mean that women will be immediately sent at the front lines, but it would give the government more uh, understanding of who can be mobilized if need be. It's just to have the information, just to have the data.
0: So what would be the benefit to the military to have access to these professionals?
1: It kind of gives the government more leverage in recruiting more people for the army. kind of gives them more possibility. If, if their interest in serving will drop, then these conscription points can recruit more people for the front line. So this is very good for the Ukrainian government to understand what women might perform when there is a need, for example, to form new brigades or to fill in the gaps in already existing brigades because of the losses on the frontline, then uh, these female conscripts might be at service.
0: Yeah, so it, it certainly feels like a escalation of a conscription drive that's been going on for a while now. Is this the logical next step to this all-hands-on-deck mentality that is there in Ukraine?
1: Yeah, there are approximately 40,000 women that already serve in the army. And uh, I spoke to uh, some uh, female colleagues who are serving in the army, and they believe that army has to uh, learn how to attract women because it is a matter of mobilization resources. Approximately 50% of the country's population are women. Some of them can and want to fight.
0: A record number of women have already signed up to fight. There are 50,000 women in the Ukrainian military, of which 10,000 are on the front lines. After Russia invaded Ukraine in February, there was an increase in women volunteering to join the military. This is Exenia who runs a non-profit with her husband, providing equipment and uniforms for women.
1: In the beginning, we had 30 requests per month. Now it's more than 50 requests per day. It can be for basic uniform, underwear, a bulletproof vest, or a helmet. And this also shows the changes in the... Mentality, military mentality, which, you know, army must break away from its uh, male centric attitude because, as probably you understand, like everywhere in the world, the sexism in the army still exists.
0: Does this come at a time when people are getting physically and mentally tired, where maybe support for the war is flagging ever so slightly?
1: Indeed, uh, we started noticing more and more information about men who um, are trying to escape demobilization by paying bribes, uh, by uh, crossing the border illegally. President Zelensky has sacked all of the heads of military enlistment in each region right across the country. It follows corruption allegations. There are more and more news about the, the bodies uh, of of men of being found in the river or in the forest when they tried to escape from being conscripted or mobilized.
0: The beginning of the war in Ukraine was marked by long lines of men signing up to join, Katerina says. But those aren't there anymore.
1: You, you don't basically see it visually, Right. At the same time, when you speak to your male friends or colleagues, they understand that inevitably uh, we all will be serving. So they kind of um, accept this with some sort of doomness. They kind of, they know, they're waiting for it. Everyone wants this war to end as soon as possible. It's not that they're just showing up at the conscription point and they, you know, show the desire to serve, but they say if the conscription paper will arrive, they will uh, serve their duty to the country.
0: After the break, what this new law says about Ukraine's position in the war and how this could reshape Ukrainian society.
1: The Inside Story podcast
0: dissects, analyzes, and helps define major global stories— We get into the details with experts who explain how policies affect people. The Inside Story podcast by Al Jazeera. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So, Katerina, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky actually signed this law in October 2022, but the proposed changes caused such a public outcry at the time that the Ukrainian defense minister postponed the implementation of the law for one year. And that's what happened on Sunday. If it caused such an outcry then, why would today be any better?
1: When you hear first, of course it sounds like outrageous and you think, oh my God, oh my God. But then there are legal peculiarities that shows that there is no like an imminent necessity to go and, and fight on the front line. So you understand that Ukrainian government is preparing for the... Long war. Yeah. And uh, these uh, professions might be at great need at some point. There is some sort of adaptation happened in the Ukrainian minds, in the minds of the Ukrainian population, that this war might actually take two, three more years. And uh, we are so adapted to live in this war that it's kind of inevitable. Because those who wanted to leave the country, they left. Those who decided, who made a choice to stay, they stayed. So if your if your choice is to stay in this country, despite the missile attack, despite the blackouts, constant threat, if you decide uh, to work here and bring your kids, then it's uh, inevitable that you might, you know, serve uh, on a front line. —
0: But for some women who will now have to register, this new law was not met with enthusiasm. —
1: It's not that I don't want to register. I am, by default, a conscript. But when I studied at university, they didn't teach us to be a doctor on the battlefield. We haven't studied it, and morally, I'm not ready for this. If the notice arrives, I will go.
0: Katerina, is there a concern that there will be a renewed exodus of doctors, nurses, pharmacists, etc.?
1: Again, that's a good question because with regards to women it's very hard for the border guards to prove whether you have medical education or not, because again, there is no unified record of such women. So uh, technically it's easy for women to cross. None of the border guards will be uh, pushing you to show your existing medical degree or pharmaceutical degree, right? So there might be some exodus of women, of such women. Another problem with regards to postponement of this registration. The law came in an for women who receive the medical degree after 30th of December 2022. However, most of the medical workers, uh, they work at the municipal institutions that belong to the uh, municipal administrations and they are forced by the more senior people to register the conscription points. So that's why there might be a percentage of women who would take a risk to leave the country right now.
0: At the same time, for the women who do serve in the military, their roles are evolving, including a friend of Katarina's, who is now a drone operator.
1: This is a woman with an amazing uh, life experience. She used to work as a journalist, and actually, um, she was an editor um, of the um, news media called Women are 50% of Success, basically about female leadership. And at the start of the invasion, she joined the Territorial Defense units in Irpene, and then she moved uh, together with them to Kharkiv region and uh, Donetsk region. Initially, she was uh, serving as an infantry person, just a soldier, and now she her military specialization is operator of FPV drones. And it was, for me, a very big surprise when she joined the army because, in my opinion, I thought that journalists might sort of Uh, in a different way to the needs of the country, but that was her choice. And she's not alone. Women also serve uh, as snipers and as paramedics uh, on the front line. So she's not the only example. But of course, it was surprising for me this turn.
0: We know that there's going to be more women joining the fight, but I, I really wanted to ask you about the women who stay behind, because there are parts of Ukraine that are still very traditional, I know, but with so many men either away at war or sadly never coming back, women are stepping into the void. And you've been to all corners of this country and you've seen it up close. Can you describe what life looks like for some of these women and how different life is for them now?
1: There are women who left the country because they have kids and in their families, they decided, you know, to... To not decided. It. It, it was not a choice. It's actually, it was a need to to be a breadwinner while your husband is on the front line. Because many men conscripted and mobilized, women had to take the male roles. So there are now there are now more women doing male jobs. We also see that those who returned from the front line, they have injuries. And they have prosthesis because of the injury of the limbs of the extremities. So we understand that women will take more male roles, as well as in the government. So it will reshape the society in the long run. Somebody needs to lead, somebody needs to govern and manage the society.
0: And Ukrainian women, Katerina says, are up for the challenge.
1: Ukrainian women are very strong. There is no doubt in that. Ukrainian women are very strong. It's not very traditional society. It's a society that values the tradition, but it's not extremely traditional society. We understand that Ukrainian society is changing and uh, women will be able to fight. Those women who want to fight will be able to fight. It's, it's changing. Gender-wise Ukrainian society is changing. We would see more and more women in power, One of the good examples is the recent assignment of two female deputy defense ministers last week. This is a huge change, right, because deputy defense ministers are women. So it shows more steps in gender balance, in accessing for accessibility of uh, male uh, specializations for women. It definitely shows that the war will last longer than we expected.
0: Katrina, it it sounds like you're describing the country is is moved to another phase. People are reckoning with this idea that this is going to be a much longer conflict and that we're going to have to steel ourselves for a different type of fight, a much less (laughs) telegenic fight. We got to get ready for that phase and and that's going to be different. Is, Is that right?
1: What you describe right now is actually my current state. Because uh, I feel fatigue uh, from this war. It's understandably Ukrainian society is emotionally and mentally drained, and the uh, overall geopolitical situation is looking not very favorable. But we are trying to prepare ourselves for this new stage. There, there is still patriotism, of course. It's uh, you, you can't say that patriotism vanished. It's more you need to measure your. Uh, energy and measure your efforts because uh, it's indeed uh, a marathon, not the not the race.
0: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Faranisa Kampana and Khalid Sultan with David Enders, Amy Walters, Zayna Badr, Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Sonia Bagat, Sari Al Khalili, and me, Kevin Hurton, in from Alika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is the TAKE's executive producer. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.